Community Conversations with Community Centres SA. Here's Kerry Ackermans. Welcome to Community Centres SA's podcast, Community Conversations. I'm your host, Kerry Ackermans, CEO of Community Centres SA. We're a peak body for community centres and neighbourhood houses in South Australia. In this episode, we talk to Tricia Foster-Jones from Burnside Community Centre on a buddy program for learning English and celebrating death and dealing with grief. Every culture has a different way. These podcasts bring you stories from across the state of all the great work being done in our communities and general topics of community interest. Community centres are open for anyone and provide place-based activities to enrich the lives of people in our community. I'm talking to Tricia Foster-Jones from the Burnside Community Centre. Tricia, you've had a very interesting journey into community centres. You started your career as a nurse. That's right, I did. I did. Many moons ago, I started as a nurse at St Andrews Hospital and then to Flinders Medical Centre. So then you went to social work? Yeah, then I went to social work because I always had this thing about helping people. And I worked there for a number of years and so then I wanted to change So I landed up moving to libraries, which was great. And then I had the opportunity through a restructure to go to community centres, which has been an absolute blessing. It's a wonderful place. What makes community centres special? Community centres, it's a great way to be able to help people in, in a way that is empowering for them. So you can provide programs to people, a place that's welcoming. So welcoming to everyone regardless of their religion, their culture, ethnicity, language. It's like the modern-day version of a village square, I believe. So people come together for a particular learning opportunity for a lot of reasons, so like Pilates or yoga, English classes, Spanish, French, Tai Chi, all of those things. So they'll participate in that and they'll have the opportunity of lifelong learning with other people who share that interest and then they'll often go and have a coffee after so they build those connections that really does help with reducing isolation and providing that sense of belonging that we so need in our society and Tricia you've got a very innovative English program haven't you for those where English isn't their first language We do. So uh, we've been doing English classes here for many years, like a lot of centres do. And a couple of years ago, the tutors who were running the classes really recognised the need for more one-on-one sessions with people. So people were coming to classes and they would go away and they wouldn't speak English again until they came to the next class. So it was really looking at how we could run out something so that people could chat with students, with people who wanted to improve their English on a one-on-one basis. And there was a model, there is a model, at the University of Adelaide called Talk to an Aussie. So we were aware of that and we wanted to really model something on that. So we did. So we started with just the two tutors who were running the classes and we promoted it to the students in the class. So that was offering to those students, if you want to have an extra one-on-one session, let us know and we'll connect you to one of the tutors. And and they did. And so, and then gradually, bit by bit, we recruited more volunteers because it became really popular. And then 
over time, we started to promote it. And now it's probably two years down the track. We've, we've had about 100 people register interested in the program and we've about 21 volunteers who are participating. So it's a really great opportunity for people to not only improve their English but it's and their confidence in speaking English, but also to find out information about the local community. So, you know, what is what is happening in your local community? What's happening in the community centre? What's happening at the pool? What's happening in the library? How do you get a metro cart? Where do you get the bus timetable information? That sort of information. And some of the connections have really blossomed. So... They've formed very strong connections, strong friendships with each other. How do you handle the colloquism? So that's one thing I think when you come to Australia, someone asks, is it going to be hot today? Well, I may not need the bikini. How far is it? (laughs) Cut lunch. What what does that mean? Yes, that's right. All of that stuff. And that's what's so important in those one-on-one sessions, as well as the English classes. So it's really looking at that, looking at what are the, the nuances, the colloquialisms, as you say. Like, like I know there was one participant who we talked about coming from the Philippines and they were with their mother waiting by the bus, waiting on the road and there was a sign saying no standing. So she made them all sit down on the curb. Oh, so, that's a great story. Because... Of course, you know, that's what it, that's what you think. So all of those little things that you just, we don't take any notice of. So it's explaining that. It's explaining that to people. And just things about what's polite and what's not. Because those things are rules that, you know, it's English, but there's, you just don't know those unspoken rules in society. Those yeah, cultural norms we have. But it even gets down to what we place importance on, doesn't it, Tricia? Someone was saying to me the other day that, in African societies is that time isn't important as it is to us. Time is when time is. It doesn't matter. So when they went to catch the bus, the bus had gone. I thought, well, you couldn't wait for me <laughs> because here yes. the bus comes yes. at the time the exactly. bus is meant to come. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And it is too, with, like with Chat with a Local, this has been really good because there's a bit of like, okay, this is when I expect you to come. We meet at this time and then perhaps the person who's participating, an English uh, student, doesn't think there's any need to let them know they're not coming. So it's those things as well. Like, you know, these, like if you can't make it, you actually have to let me know. Or if you're going to be late, you're going to have to let me know. All of those things. So they're learning. They're learning that helps sets up for work too, doesn't it? Because that's yeah, what's expected. Yeah. And there are, certainly they've helped with like pointing people in the direction of getting jobs and people have got jobs. Like, why don't you try here? Why don't you try there? And practicing interviews, like interview techniques, what to, and sometimes they'll be surprised about, uh, okay, no, you wouldn't do that. That's probably not going to go down well in an Australian interview. So all of those things have been really valuable. Good tips. I'm talking to Tricia Foster-Jones from the Burnside Community Centre. Tricia, would it be fair to say that you are oversubscribed for people wanting to improve their English? What you're needing is more volunteers for people who will help them. That's right, we do. We've got a waiting list of people who are wanting to to chat with people. Like I said, we have 21 volunteers, but we still don't have enough people wanting to, to place people. And we've put a hold on the applications at this point in time. So it would be good to actually expand the program a bit further. And you do run a lot of other programs at the Burnside Community Centre, Tricia. What else are you doing there? 
Uh, we do Pilates, we do yoga, we do Tai Chi and Qigong, so two separate ones. We do Spanish classes and French. French, we've got about five different levels of French. Um, Spanish is about three. Um, we've got something called Fit and Fab, a fitness program for people, seniors, and that's run by a couple of seniors. And like one of the instructors, he would be mid-80s and he's currently participating in the Masters Games. He is incredibly fit. <laughs> that's very inspiring. He's still working. He's a chiropractor, so he works, I think, an afternoon every Friday. He's very active and he really leads by example. 80 years so, old. And that's the great thing. Yeah, about, 85. Oh, that's the great thing about community centres, isn't it, Tricia, is that it's open for anybody, any age range. People think it's just for older people, but it's really open for anyone. Ah, oh, it is. And I think that's what I, that's what I said about like the village square is that sense of community. And you see that with especially some of the other classes like the yoga and the Pilates um, and, the, and the English is is very broad. We have so many different ages come to the English classes. We have people coming with the babies as well. It's intergenerational. So it's fabulous to see. It's a, it is a great place to work, that's for sure. And Trisha, I know you have a high migrant population within the Burnside area, and that led you and yep. I to discussing a program that you'd like to bring in, which is about yep. celebrating death because it's done so differently yes. with different cultures. Yes, that's right. So what we're looking at starting next year in our recently renovated Dulwich Community Centre, which will be open later this year, is a program which was sort of named Dying to Learn. So it's really looking at, or as you say, how different cultures and religions recognise and celebrate death. So, you know, someone who's Muslim will deal with death very differently to someone who's a Buddhist, for example, or a Catholic or someone who doesn't have any religion at all, or someone who's Irish will deal with it very differently. Well, they have the wake, don't they? There's a lot of alcohol and music and singing. Yeah, yeah, all of that, sort of party time, and time with the body as well. So in our society, we've recognised that it's really sort of pushed away. We hide it. We... it's sort of dealt with in hospitals. It's it's something that is happens to someone else, but it does happen to everyone. And so we all are going to die. Um, it's just... So this is an opportunity to really recognise that. So the first part would be looking at that, but also we'd be looking in the program at, at things like how... Like estate planning, you know, and funerals, how to... How to plan your own funeral, and, and as well, what sort of options are there? There's compostable funerals, eco-friendly funerals. Thinking about that, having a having a front foot on that, rather than when it's the worst time of all, when you're grieving for someone very special, would also be looking at at grief and loss and palliative care and recording your stories. So. Getting in and recording your stories for family and friends so once you've passed or once someone you love has passed so that you have their rich history, which can easily be lost. I know certainly for me, with my family, my family's past, you think, I wish I'd, I knew that, but it's too late. 
So, Well, you think, Tricia, about when you have to write a eulogy. If you've not yes. got that information, sometimes it's hard to gather that, particularly from an older person's perspective who've led a very rich and full life. How do you trace all of that back? So having those conversations are important, but also having your wishes respected as well because if you don't leave that, but people often don't want to confront it. They think, if I don't talk about it, it's not going to happen. But if you don't do that, then you don't get what it is that you'd like to see how your life should be celebrated. Exactly. Exactly. So it is really important and empowering for that person. So that's the sort of thing that we want to do. And then potentially looking at a celebration at the end of the year with the Day of the Dead. The Mexicans do, they really celebrate death in a, in a way that recognises it as a cycle of life. And you've been there um, to see this, haven't you, Tricia? I have. I've been to Mexico in a place called Patsquaro, and it's incredible seeing going out at midnight between, like, from the November the 1st to November the 2nd to the graveyards, and you see all the families around the graves with their loved ones, and they'll have, they'll decorate the graves with beer or whatever that person loved. It might be beer, it might be even cigarettes, you know, it could be lollies or lovely bread and they'll have photographs and it's a party atmosphere because they believe that the, the souls come back and walk with the living at that time. So it's, yeah, it's a really a great sense of remembering. And very and different to what we do here in Western society. Ah, oh, so different. Yeah, and that's why you'll see they have like things like the lolly skulls and things like that. So it's really, and the, the face painting, all of that. So it's recognising that we're not here forever. We're, you know, we're, we're on loan, as you, as you know. As, as they say, nobody gets out of here alive. So, yeah, it's looking at that. So maybe we, you know, whether we do something here, I don't know, at the end of the program. But I know there are, there are certainly there are different councils that do different things, like Tichigali have had a death cafe. Yeah, so it's it's looking at that. It's looking at how we can help the community deal with this very sensitive, important topic that all of us have to have to approach. We're all going to die. And Trisha, the next part of that I'd mentioned to you was about dealing with grief because you have that yes. ceremony and the funeral. Then after that, particularly in Western society, people will be, well, it's been a month. So aren't you all yes. right now? How do you deal yes. with grief? And everybody grieves differently. Exactly, yeah. So that would be something we would want to tap into as well. And like a lot of these things, we can see also what happens from that. Is there something organic that evolves from some of these programs, some of these sessions, whether there's a group that continues on? Because, yeah, as you say, grief is very different. Everyone deals with it very differently. And, and depending on who you are and your personality, your culture, your religion, all of that. I think I mentioned to you, Kerry, on the phone that when I went to Mexico, I had one of the friends I went with, her identical twin sister, and her mother had died around a similar time, and she had grieved intensely for them for years. And that every time around the time they died, which was around April, she would just go into incredible depression. But after going to Mexico and seeing how they celebrated death, it sort of cured her. It it's was, like giving permission, uh, perhaps, to be able to say, it's okay, you can yeah. move on now. Because that is a hard thing. It even happens with uh, pets. I was saying I've lost my dog of 17 years, which was very oh, hard, because yeah. they oh, give yeah. you that unconditional love, oh, and it's a big hole in your life. Oh, absolutely. Pets are, yeah, pets are very important. They're, they're a 
big part of our families and as you say you know, they're so happy to see you you know like more than anyone really so when you come home they're happy to see you and that yeah unconditional love and when you don't have that it's a real absence so it's dealing with that loss that sense of loss and sharing that with others particularly if you live alone it can be a big void yeah. in your life but it's that sharing isn't it we don't help each other and if you can open that up then people would feel it could make connections they might never have had Exactly. And you can heal each other. So certainly you can make connections with things that are similar. And grief and loss, it's, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think there's a real opportunity there. And when we, in our society that is becoming increasingly more insular and isolated, I think, yeah, it's a, a good reason to look for more ways of connecting. And it's so and easy now for people to do it online, send a text or a Facebook message. I can remember a friend of mine, her father passed away and everybody was putting all these messages on Facebook. I knew her very well. So I turned up with bottle of wine and we talked and somebody said, oh, I was very surprised, Kerry, that you uh, didn't put a message on Facebook. Mm. I actually turned up, but that's, you know, we yes. think more about publicly. It's how you yes. look and what you say rather than what you do. Yeah, that's so, that's so true. That's so true. So how we look to others rather than and being there for people. Uh, and, and as you say, after a month, you know, it, people forget. And they and, won't talk about it. Whereas you don't want to not talk about the person or, you know, your beloved animal. You actually want to talk about them, but they feel awkward and don't know how to bring it up. So I think this grief side is just as important. Well, Trisha, I'd love to see some funding for this. So I think we'll have to find out how we can get these programs up. So I'm sure that listeners will really resonate with this conversation today. Thank you so much, Kerry. Thanks for the, the time to be able to chat with you. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. should be exciting. Thank you, Tricia. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Share the podcast with your networks and send us any feedback to info at communitycentersa.asn.au. Community Conversations. For more information, check out communitycentersa.asn.au.